Hello everybody, we're back. Sorry it's been a little bit. It's been pretty hectic, but we also thought it would be worth just taking a, a few days to gather ourselves and uh, figure out what we were going to be talking about next now that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is over. So this is our first non-Falcon Winter Soldier episode, Steve. It's exciting. What are we going to be talking about? Uh, well, firstly, I'd like to retract that apology. I apologize, as Conor McGregor famously said, to absolutely nobody for putting our content out when we want to. Uh, we'll try to be a little bit more consistent in the future, but sometimes you get what you get with us. So uh, no need to apologize for, for doing our own thing. Today, we are going to be talking about the recent Marvel announcement regarding Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We knew that plenty of these announced or confirmed or updated properties were on the way, uh, got some new information about a couple of them, and got official release dates for almost every single movie in Phase 4, assuming that this is the entirety of it, which with the number of movies on here, I, I think it is more than enough to make up an entire phase. But some real heavy hitters on this list as I'm looking it up and down that really jump off the page. And I just wanted to ask you firstly, Justin, what is the most exciting project for you personally that Marvel's putting out here by, you know, this time in, in two years? Right now, as I'm looking at the list of movies, for today's episode, we're going to focus more on the movies. In the next episode, we're going to switch and look more at the, at the TV shows they've announced for Phase 4. So right now, looking at the movies, honestly, the thing I'm the most excited for is Spider-Man 3. There's been so much conversation about it and so much hype. Uh, the talks of Tobey Maguire coming back. I don't know if those are real or not. I'm pretty sure they're real. And the potential of Andrew Garfield or um, Electro coming back. Not that I'm necessarily excited about Electro specifically, but just the fact that it seems like they're going to be opening the multiverse, which is something they've said so many times like they said that with Far From Home and they said that with WandaVision, neither of those things ended up going into the multiverse. And Spider-Man 3 is the last movie coming out before Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So even though my hopes have gotten raised and dashed time and again with this whole multiverse idea, it seems as if Spider-Man 3 is, in theory at least, from what we've heard when that's going to actually happen. I'm excited about all of them. I think some of them more so than others, which we'll get into. But right now, Spider-Man 3 is the one that I'm most looking forward to. What about you? Well, you make a great point about Spider-Man. And multiverse or not, the ending of Spider-Man Far From Home was a huge cliffhanger and left me and I'm sure many others wondering what the heck just happened and what the heck is about to happen. I'm very much looking forward to Spider-Man 3 but I think I have to say that my number one most anticipated movie of the next couple of years here is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Just off the title alone, that is an earworm, an eye catcher, attracts all the senses, <laughs> apparently. And Doctor Strange is such an interesting character. He's got an arsenal of abilities at his disposal, just a certified bevy of magical options for every situation. And... I really enjoy seeing Benedict Cumberbatch. He clearly enjoys playing the character. In the past, he said, regarding the playing of Doctor Strange, he said, uh, just try and stop me. Uh, clearly, he's committed to the, the role for a long time, and I would love to see him in an improvement from the original. I think the, 
first Doctor Strange was a, one of the more underrated entries into the MCU. I don't think it quite gets the love it deserves. He was a great character in Infinity War and helped out a lot in the end and Endgame. But I want to see him shine in his own movie. And especially considering the ending of WandaVision where we see her in that end credit scene. Astral projecting her other self, I guess, or her astral form uh, and studying the cursed book that way. I think that sets up a lot of interesting plot lines for Doctor Strange 2. And that's my number one most anticipated. However, before we get to Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, we have a couple movies before then. Starting with Black Widow coming out July 7th. What are your thoughts on Black Widow? I'm excited for Black Widow. I don't think it's the hottest take ever to say this movie should have come out a long time ago. Not just because of the pandemic. This should have come out while she was alive. Um, spoilers if anyone is born today or something and hasn't seen Endgame. I think this movie should have come out a long time ago. Black Widow and Hawkeye being the only original Avengers without their own movie. Hawkeye is getting his own series later this year as well, although I don't think he is going to be the main focus. I think it'll transition away from him a little bit and focus on him more as a mentor than as the main hero, if what I've understood is correct. So I think this movie is overdue. I don't think that takes away from my excitement from it. I think there's a place for prequels and movies that are a bit out of the timeline. I didn't love Captain Marvel, but that was one that my issues with it had nothing to do with the fact that it was placed well in the past. So I don't think it's a, an issue for the movie that it will take place in the past. And I think it'll be exciting to see Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow again. I think she's great and perfect for the role. And she's someone that has been exciting. And she kind of just runs around and gets overshadowed by everyone else in the movies. Other than being kind of a moral pointer for a lot of the people. Uh, for the other, other Avengers. Excuse me. But her abilities often get overshadowed or they just make her have unrealistic scenes where she's going toe-to-toe with people she has no business going toe-to-toe with and so I think having her in her own movie where she can shine doing what she's good at the whole spy thing and hand-to-hand combat in a more grounded sense with no super magical or superhuman or alien beings to compete with I think that's the perfect spot for her to be in And I think it's going to be exciting. Plus, we're getting the Red Guardian, uh, which is the Russian Captain America. So now we're going to have three Captain Americas coexisting. Or I guess not coexisting, because this this takes place way back um, just after Civil War. So I don't know if he'll survive or not. We'll find out. But there's the potential to have multiple (laughs) coexisting um, Captain Americas at the same time, which I think that's pretty fun. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. This movie is at least five years overdue. Black Widow, as a member of the founding Avengers team, certainly deserves her time in the spotlight well before this. I mean, she's been in, this will be her eighth appearance in the MCU. She definitely deserved to have this movie come out much earlier. Now, I'll agree with you that the movie just taking place in the past does not lower my excitement level, but to having it take place when she was alive does lower my expectations a little for this movie. We've kind of seen her completed character arc, and I'm sure that this movie will offer a more in-depth look at Natasha and see another side of her that maybe we haven't yet. At worst, it'll just be a very entertaining spy thriller. Marvel is known to kind of genre jump, even though they have their 
standard formula they, they kind of apply to everything. You know, Doctor Strange 2 is rumored to be more of a horror movie. You know, Winter Soldier is a pure uh, spy action thriller. Guardians 1 is a comedy. So, you know, they're not doing every single genre out there, but they're, they're mixing it up a little. And I would love to see another spy thriller entry into the MCU. I did just watch Winter Soldier recently, so it's fresh in my mind. But the action in that movie is just stellar, and I'm sure we'll get more of, of that in Black Widow. But yes, I do think that having the movie take place prior to her death is not ideal. I get the feeling that at the end of this movie, I'm going to feel like I, had, I wish that I had seen it before watching her die so we could get this more in-depth backstory on her prior. But I still feel like it's going to be a solid entry in the MCU. And like I said, it's going to be you know an entertaining action movie at worst at the end of the day. So Black Widow, I'd say my expectation level or excitement level, uh, we'll say, is probably about uh, a 7 for Black Widow. But had this come out five years ago, it would have been a 9 or a 10. Yeah, I think I agree. It's around a 7 for me, too. I'm reserving my 9s and 10s for the things that I am absolutely dying going to see midnight premiere. And I don't think this is quite that for me. 10s I'm reserving for Endgame Infinity War level excitement, which, I mean, those are ones that only come around every decade. Although, I guess they were twice within one year. <laughs> um, but 9s I'm saying ones where I'm for sure hitting the premiere midnight. And then eights and sevens are very, very excited, but not quite at that level. So I think Black Widow is probably a seven, seven and a half for me. I'll see it. It'll be awesome. I don't think I would pay the Disney Plus premiere access. I think I'll go and see it in theaters. Um, but yeah, Black Widow. It'll be good to see her again. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what characters are left over from that that will tie in to the MCU moving forward. Because I cannot imagine that it's a totally self-contained movie. Um, I'm sure there are characters from it that will survive and live to pop up in another MCU franchise down the line, even if it's not Black Widow or the Black Widow that we know, at least. Yeah, uh, I believe, actually, Val, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character from Talking to Winter Soldier, is supposed to make an appearance in Black Widow. And I believe that that was supposed to be her first appearance before she then pops in in Talking to Winter Soldier and what a felt less out of nowhere in that show um, if we knew who she was already. I guess we'll see when the movie actually comes out, if that's true. That's what I've seen is rumored. And by your criteria, you know, if we're just rating <laughs> these tens uh, based off, if we're going to go see them, you know, opening night. If I'm being realistic, I'm probably going to see all of these opening night. I'm not a busy guy. <laughs> uh, and I do like going to see the movies. So love going on Thursday nights and, and catching them before I have a chance to get them spoiled. So Opening night in the theater for a Marvel movie will, will always be a good time. Well, then maybe save the 10s for the ones where you're cosplaying and dressing up on premiere night. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, well, that's never <laughs> happened. Um, but I guess never say never. We'll see. Um, the next movie that we have up uh, on the slate here is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, premiering September 3rd. Now, there have been a couple trailers for this out at this point, and I have not seen any. Me neither. I do not plan on seeing it. <laughs> I haven't seen any for Black Widow as well, to be fair. Yes, I forgot to mention that. We, we, I feel like we've mentioned this a few times, but for the people who maybe have missed it or don't remember, uh, you and I don't really watch trailers. 
for me, it started probably, oh, what, what year was it? 17, I believe, the Spider-Man Homecoming came out. And the scene where he's on the ferry and it ends up breaking in half and he ends up holding them together with his webs. Uh, I had that scene ruined for me in, in the trailer. Um, no, maybe not ruined, but that end shot, you know, from the moment he steps on the ferry, I knew that's how it was going to end up. And it, it kind of took away from the anticipation of the scene, knowing the majority of what was about to happen and ruining a great shot by seeing it on you know, a tiny phone screen when I watched the trailer for the first time. So since then, for movies that I want to go see, I skip the trailers. You don't have to draw me in. I don't need to know anything else if I'm already going to go see it. I want to have a fresh experience in the theater. Um, I'll still watch trailers from time to time for movies that I either don't care about getting spoiled or am on the fence about seeing. Actually, today, as we're recording this, the... Venom 2, There Will Be Carnage trailer just came out, so maybe I'll have to check that out. I don't really care about Venom, so we'll see if I watch that later. But all this to say, we haven't seen any promotional material on any of these. Now, as part of this announcement, they put together a few cuts of trailers for the Loki TV show, as well as spots for Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, What If, and Eternals got their first look as well. And I skipped right past all that (laughs) To just see the movie title announcements. It was difficult, but it'll be worth it when these movies finally come out. Um, So, the only thing that I know going into Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings... I know nothing about Shang-Chi. The only thing I know about The Ten Rings uh, at this point in the MCU is that the Mandarin is out there. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. And I don't know how many people listening have seen this or even know if it exists. But... From 2011 to 2014, Marvel put out a series of one-shots, which were basically like short three to four to 15-minute clips that kind of fill in some of the gaps in the MCU to, at that point. There's one about Coulson traveling out to New Mexico to find Thor's hammer when it lands, and there's one here called All Hail the King, which is... A shot of Trevor Slattery, the Mandarin from, or the Mandarin actor from Iron Man 3, in prison. And he is meeting with a man who reveals himself to be a member of the real Ten Rings. And he says that the real Mandarin is out there. And he's upset at Trevor Slattery for basically making a mockery of his name. You know, pretending to be him and, and all that. So all that, meaning the Mandarin, is still out there. So we're going to get the real Mandarin, likely, in this Shang-Chi movie. Now, what will his powers be? I have no idea. What will Shang-Chi's powers be? I have no idea. What's the plot going to be? Couldn't even wager a guess. But I'm very excited for this martial arts-packed Mandarin-involving showdown movie that we're about to get. Yeah, I know about as much about this movie as you do. And I know the Ten Rings was the organization that had kidnapped and captured uh, Tony Stark way, way back in Iron Man 1. And that's about it. (laughs) I know his symbol pops up all over the place in Iron Man 3 as well, with uh, Trevor Slattery, Ben Kingsley's character, pretending to be the Mandarin and the whole Ten Rings thing. And that was all a big joke, which I thought was funny at the time, not being the biggest comics fan then. I know a lot of people were upset by that, fans of the real Mandarin. So 
hey, maybe this will get to appeal to that audience there. Um, I'm excited to have one that I know literally nothing about, though, because the last one for me that I knew nothing about heading into it was the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we know how that turned out. I'm not necessarily saying that Shang-Chi is going to be as good as Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a top 10 for sure, maybe top 5 MCU movie, depending on who you ask. And obviously the Guardians are beloved members of the franchise at this point. So I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be as good as Guardians of the Galaxy. It could be nowhere close to as good. But the MCU has a good history in taking these obscure characters, ones that we haven't really heard a whole lot about, and turning them into superstars. So... I'm excited. Plus, I think just in general, in the MCU's history, the hand-to-hand combat and the action that's more grounded is better and more exciting, in my opinion, than the super power-based ones. I don't think they've known how to handle those really well. Um, A lot of lights, other than Doctor Strange, he does some really cool things, but most of the really super-powered people end up just punching each other really far or shooting lights at each other. And so I think a martial arts movie with a lot of hand-to-hand combat, um, which I'm expecting from a martial arts movie, is just going to be more good action. And after seeing so much of it in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm excited to see more. So I would give Shang-Chi probably about a 7 as well. I think I'm about as excited for it as I am Black Widow, although I might get more so as it gets closer and I inevitably see some of the promotional material on accident. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say this is probably about a seven and a half. I give it a little bump over Black Widow just because it's a new character that we haven't met before. That's, you know, I'm assuming he's going to impact the uh, the world moving forward while Black Widow, you know, her legacy will live on. But I can't see this movie having uh, too much of an impact on the main storyline as things progress here. So uh, I give Shang-Chi a little bit of a bump uh, over Black Widow in that regard. But again, still very excited for both. Following Shang-Chi, we have Eternals, premiering November 5th. Now, tell me what you know about Eternals. As comic characters, I know that they are these giant cosmic beings, sort of on the same line, and I could be actually incorrect on this, this is just what I've thought, sort of on the same line as the Celestials, not the same as Celestials, so not being planets in and of themselves, but these giant immortal or basically immortal celestial beings that are just super powerful way beyond humans or even really anything we've seen up to this point so i'm not totally sure what the villain's gonna be i know that there are villains of immense magnitude as well i'm not sure what the plot will be or how they'll tie into the regular mcu without totally just destroying the power level of all of the heroes that we know up till now, but I know it's a gigantic cast. There's like 10 or 11 Eternals that are announced already. And yeah, it's the first, other than Guardians of the Galaxy, it's the first like big ensemble movie that's getting put out. That's not based off of a, a whole bunch of characters from separate, separate movies all coming together. You know, just a whole team getting introduced at once. I know there had been, the Inhumans had been a, announced movie way way back um, that never ended up coming to fruition ended up being a a really short-lived not very well received tv show instead of a movie Um, so since that was canceled it's really the first since the guardians to be a whole team getting introduced together at the same time so i think that's exciting i definitely am less excited for this one than i am for black widow or shang chi just because i'm with that many characters 
I don't expect them to necessarily all be fleshed out very well. And I also am curious just with the total power level and inhumanity of all these characters. I don't know how we will really relate to them or what their conflict struggle will look like or how they won't just come in and render all of the other Avengers useless. <laughs> um, but I'm curious and open-minded. I'm just significantly less excited about this than I am for Shang-Chi and Black Widow. I feel like it's the opposite for me. I know nothing about these characters other than what you outlined as well. They're uber-powerful galactical beings, basically. Um, other than that, I have no clue about them. I have the same questions that you do, but that only raises my interest level in this movie. You know, you compared Guardians 1 to Shang-Chi and the potential that I could introduce a obscure character and make him a fan favorite. I think there's even more potential for that to be the case with Eternals. These are characters that are not grounded. You know, they're super out there. When Guardians came out, the only kind of spacey characters we had was Thor. And even he came to Earth to make him, you know, seem more realistic. So Guardians really took characters that nobody knew about that weren't related to anything that was going on on Earth at the, ma- at the time of that movie with crazy powers. I mean, geez, there's a tree and a, and a raccoon in it, uh, two main characters, for gosh sakes. So I think that Eternals can really kind of step into that role as well, where, you know, there's 10 plus Eternals. You know, there's a monster cast. You know, Angelina Jolie is in it. Richard Madden and Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones also are Eternals, as well as, I believe, Kumail Nanjiani. Big name actors all around, but I'm definitely excited to see how they fit into the main world and how they're going to interact with any of our characters on any level, because they are so out there. They are so powerful. They are just so separated from reality. How are they going to interact with, you know, a, a Drax or a Thor or a new Captain America if they ever come into contact. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds. Because of the success of Guardians 1, I now have the faith in Marvel that they'll be able to make it work. And that's why I'm, it gets me more excited for this movie. I'd probably put this at like an 8.5 or a 9 excitement level. I'm stoked for Eternals, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I would put this at probably a 6 myself, and maybe I'm just setting my expectations a bit lower so they can be exceeded. And I know this movie has stirred up a little bit of controversy as well, even ahead of time, just because a lot of the characters are either race swapped or gender swapped from what they initially would be, which that for me doesn't matter. I couldn't care less. Um, You know, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Uh, But I know for a lot of the hardcore comic book fans out there, I've heard there's been some unease and some (laughs) frustration about characters getting totally rewritten, essentially. Which, again, that doesn't matter to me, but I thought that was worth mentioning because I've seen that popping up a bit online already. But, again, that doesn't matter to me as long as it's good. You know, the MCU has been totally rewriting characters from the comics all over the place. I mean, the Flag Smashers was a terrorist organization, or don't call them terrorists, excuse me, was a, an evil organization <laughs> In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, in the comics, the Flag Smasher is an individual supervillain. And so totally rewritten to be this big organization. So I'm just excited to see what they do with it. But I think less so than I am for Shang-Chi or Black Widow. Or for a lot of the other ones, to be honest. But totally open-minded and willing to have my expectations shot way past. 
Well, I hope they will be because I'm definitely expecting a lot from that movie. Maybe I'm setting myself up for disappointment, but uh, I guess we'll see on November 5th. Right after that, though, in mid-December, we get Spider-Man 3, No Way Home. Let's go. Boy, oh boy, I think this is a 10. Let's go. This is absolutely a 10. I'm extremely excited for this movie. There's so much in store for Peter Parker and his guy in the chair and MJ and the Daily Bugle and Mysterio and other Peter Parkers from other dimensions. I mean, there's so much going on. I, I just I can't put into words how ready I am for this movie. I wish it were coming out May 17th because I want it to be here right now. This movie is going to be awesome. Yeah, I... I know I said that I was saving tens for, you know, once in a decade type movies. And so maybe I lied then or maybe I'm lying now. I don't really know. But this is a 10 for me. And I think this part of why this is a 10 for me is because it has to have that big Avengers type feel. I don't know how they introduce the other Spider-Man from all the other multiverses without connecting into WandaVision and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness in some capacity. I mean, Doctor Strange 2 is coming out, what, three months after this movie? And is the very next movie. There's no way that's an accident. And Wanda is the only one that we've seen up to this point probably capable of tearing a, a hole in the multiverse or whatever that ends up looking like that the other Spider-Man can come through. Unless there's some, whatever the villain is for Spider-Man 3 ends up being. But regardless, this is going to have massive tie-ins and massive implications for the MCU moving forward. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, just given sometimes our expectations get a little bit too far ahead and then they don't quite get met. But I have very, very high hopes for this, and I'm going to be so stoked to see multiple Spider-Men from multiple universes just coming together. Like, oh, that's so exciting. It's like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4 that we never got coming together with the MCU, like, what more could you ask for outside of a giant Avengers Infinity War endgame type of scenario? So this is a 10 for me. And it's really exciting seeing this coming so soon after Spider-Man 2 as well. I mean, Doctor Strange and Black Panther, it's been what, like six years, five, six years since their movies came out and they're just now getting them next year. Spider-Man came out two years ago and we're already getting another one. So I know the Sony deal probably has a lot to do with that, but it's exciting just following up with it so soon. And yeah, I love Tom Holland. I love Zendaya and whatever the dude's name is that plays. Jeez, <laughs> um, I don't even remember his name. The guy in the chair. Ned Leeds Ned, is played yeah. by Jacob Batalon. And I, Jacob it's Batalin. embarrassing that you don't know that. Yeah. Put some respect on the guy in the chair's name. My bad, Ned. Ned, an awesome character. And I know you listen to this podcast, Ned. I will be an extra in any Spider-Man movie for literally... I'll pay you $5 right now, cash money, to be an extra in a Spider-Man movie. You know, I'll just leave that offer out there for whenever, you know, you want to call me back about it. But, hey, no pressure. Can't believe I forgot that. Although, to be fair, it is 1 o'clock in the morning as I'm recording right now. Yeah, that's all right. You got a logistical strain here that uh, forces us to record at some interesting hours for one of us. Uh, But... We do it for you guys, the fans. Yes, all for our fan. Hi, Mom. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, Spider-Man 3, 
I might have to say it's a 9.9. I might have to bump it down 0.1. Because immediately following it, as you said earlier, three months later in March, we get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this is absolutely a 10 for me. No questions asked. This movie is going to be a horror movie directed by Sam Raimi. As far as we are aware, you know, Marvel does switch directors sometimes, but it seems like this is going along smoothly despite the pandemic. You know, it's going as smoothly as it can despite all that. But the, the WandaVision tie-in at the end, Wanda just unlocking beginnings of her raw potential with chaos magic and studying dark texts while at an emotionally low state in her life is setting up a ton for Doctor Strange too. And apparently there was a Doctor Strange storyline that was supposed to be in WandaVision. He was supposed to make an appearance or multiple or be in a couple episodes. And due to logistical reasonings, they had to reshoot and cut that storyline from their initial plan. So unfortunately, we didn't get to see him in there, which would I think would have been even better set up for Doctor Strange 2. But all the same, everything's pointing there. And like you had said... You know, if Spider-Man 3 does crack open the door into the multiverse here, Doctor Strange 2 is just going to spart and kick it open. This movie is going to be a game changer, I think. It was a bummer to not see him in WandaVision, but I think that's just something we have to live with. I think the pandemic probably played a big part of that. I know that they had to reshoot a couple of the scenes at the end, which is why, like, Darcy didn't show up in the last few scenes, even though that felt a little bit off, just because with the pandemic, shooting was a lot harder and getting all the people together to act and doing all the testing and things required for that was impossible. So, you know, I, I think we give him a pass, even if it would have been awesome to see and also make a lot more sense, you know, this giant <laughs> cosmic size threat, maybe not cosmic heavy, that's a bit much, but this giant very clearly threatening presence on Earth, like Doctor Strange would have been there. But again, I think they get a pass just because of the you know, the pandemic and the circumstances of the shooting, so. Yeah, well, Westview, New Jersey is where WandaVision takes place, which New Jersey is literally one state away from New York where Doctor Strange resides. You know, I, you know he doesn't have a time stone anymore, but you'd think that the Sorcerer Supreme, whose job, as he quotes to Tony Stark, is protecting his reality, uh, you'd think he would step into a giant magical shindig going on one state over, but exactly. I guess not. Exactly, but again, we we all lived through the pandemic, and yeah, we get it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm excited though. Doctor Strange has always been an interesting character for me because it seems as if he has been way more a part of the MCU than he actually has been. Like realistically, like he was in his his own movie, of course, right? There's a lot of characters that have gotten at least one movie at this point, and then he was in uh, Infinity War for a good chunk of that, and just balled out in that movie, right? Was an absolute beast. And then he was in, like, two scenes in Endgame. And his scene consisted of him holding back water, basically. So I don't even really... And you're forgetting well, yeah, he, made the portals. Uh, he was in Ragnarok as well. Well, he was in Ragnarok for, like, two scenes. Yeah. I mean, I like that scene with him and Thor. He's in the... That's the end credit scene of his own movie, is him talking to Thor. And then they have... Probably like a five-minute scene where he leads them to Odin. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely have enjoyed him, and I enjoyed that scene. It just seems as if he's been in like five or six different movies, and he's really been in essentially two scenes in two movies, and then in, in Infinity War and his own movie. 
And so I'm really curious because I think there's still so much for him to do, given that he realistically has not been in that much. I mean, his last appearance was in 2018. In, in Well, his last real appearance that I count him like being an active participant was in Infinity War. And there's so much time that has passed since then for him to have grown and gotten stronger and learned more things. And especially now that he doesn't have the time stone anymore, what more has he learned and grown to kind of replace that being gone? Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what he has to do and what new powers he has. Um, he's someone I think, for an opposite reason from Black Widow, struggles a bit in the ensemble movies because he's so much stronger than everyone else that they have to kind of power him down, such as in Endgame, having him just hold back the water for the entire last battle. So I think in the same way that Black Widow being in her own movie makes a lot of sense and I think makes me more excited for her, the same is true with Doctor Strange. I think him being in his own movie, being able to face threats and be with allies that are more on his level just gives him so much more creative flexibility to make him just go all out and just have a lot more freedom to have him do whatever they want him to do rather than having to, you know, make him play nice with all the other Avengers. So I'm really excited and the multiverse can just open up so many things, even if we take Doctor Strange out of it. Just the idea of the multiverse being introduced for real. I mean, any character can come back, any villain can come back, any weapon or infinity stone or anything can come back. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to. I don't want everything to come back, but it means that even without the time stone, without the infinity stones, there's so much craziness that can happen. And I can't imagine that this doesn't mean some heroes that have died or some villains that have already been defeated don't show back up at some point. And this actually, I think, leads into later on Ant-Man and the Wasp as well with Kang being introduced, which I'm stoked for, but that's down the line. I think the multiverse being open, even if it, even if Doctor Strange wasn't in this movie at all, even just that, what that opens up for future possibilities is so huge. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Maybe we're going to see Avengers against Avengers, like not a civil war, but just straight up like the same people against the same people. Maybe this is how they bring the X-Men or the Fantastic Four in. I don't know. There's so many possibilities. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And having multiverse in the title, you know, they've alluded to it in the past. They faked us out in Far From Home, faked us out a little bit in WandaVision. Ugh. Sorry, let me rephrase. Faked us out a lot of it in WandaVision. And to put it in the title of the movie without having it been confirmed by that point or being confirmed in this movie, I think would put a lot of fans over the edge. So for all of our sakes, I think this will probably be you know, the final straw that breaks open the multiverse. But I guess we'll see. We only have a two-month, actually not even two months, we have like a six-week break between that and Thor Love and Thunder, which premieres May 6th. Wow, that's a very short amount of time. As I'm looking at it, it doesn't even seem real. But yeah, March 25th, Doctor Strange, and then Thor 4, May 6th. Thor currently off with the Guardians of the Galaxy doing who knows what. I'm sure they'll be involved to some degree, and maybe he'll be involved in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 as well, uh, which actually comes out almost exactly a year later in 23. But I've heard some rumors about Love and Thunder that get me a little wary. It seems that, uh, from what I've seen, the, the plan may be to replace Chris Hemsworth 
and have Natalie Portman's uh, Jane Foster step into the Thor role. I don't really have a problem with Jane Foster as a character, but I would really hate to see Hemsworth go, especially after such a, you know, to many, it was a disappointing last appearance in Endgame when they, you know, make him kind of fat and slobby and they make a lot of jokes at his expense while he's clearly going through a devastating time emotionally. So I feel like for him to go out right after that would leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, but they do have some very interesting casting for this movie announced. Christian Bale has been cast as a character called Gore the God Butcher, and I know zero about him, but that name is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And that makes me that makes me think of uh, Billy Butcher. <laughs> oh, Billy Butcher and the boys. Uh, great show, by the way. Great show. Can't wait for season three of that coming late this year or beginning of next year. But yeah, Love and Thunder is also cast Russell Crowe to play Zeus. I guess in a care with a character called the God Butcher, you gotta butcher some gods. So maybe we'll see Zeus only in here for one movie. It seems to me like you would not bring on a big name actor like Russell Crowe for just one movie. You know, the Greek gods do exist in Marvel lore as they do in DC. You know, uh, we had Wonder Woman defeat Ares in her own movie. But Zeus and Hercules are, are pretty big characters in Marvel lore. Hercules especially, I think, could be a really interesting character to put alongside Thor. Maybe you portray him as the kind of Thor before he had all this trauma or got wise up, basically. And, you know, Thor maybe gets a look at what he was like before all the humbling. I'd love to see, like, Zeus and Hercules stick around and, you know, more have more godly adventures with, with Thor if that's the way this movie's going to go. But with all these factors coming into play, I think this movie's going to be something. Uh, Taika Waititi's back directing again, so you know it's going to be funny and, and clever throughout so I put, I put this at like a 9 as well. Not quite as excited for Love and Thunder as I am for Spider-Man 3 or Doctor Strange 2. But this movie has a lot of pieces that on their own intrigue me and together definitely have my interest. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see Christian Bale in, I'm assuming he'll be the villain. I guess it's not technically confirmed, but just given the name, sounds exactly like a villain. And I'm excited to see Taika Waititi again directing. I don't necessarily agree with what you had said about Zeus and Russell Crowe, you know, the MCU not hiring such a big-name actor just for one movie. They've done that before. I mean, they had Kurt Russell in for just one movie. They had Robert Redford in for just one movie. I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to survive and continue on. I think having Zeus in the MCU moving forward would be really cool. Regardless, um, (laughs) I'm excited to... To see that and to see more crazy wacky stuff as well um i am a little bit intrigued to see how this will tie in i know that guardians 3 was initially supposed to come out before this but because of the whole situation where disney fired james gunn over some questionable tweets he had made and then canceled um, the movie or at least was looking for a new director but ended up rehiring him that obviously pushed the date way back and push it after Thor because clearly at the end of Endgame it was leading more a Guardians of the Galaxy direction than it was a Thor 4 direction so I'm kind of curious to see how the timeline will work out for that since Thor is with the Guardians and you know now Thor 4 is coming out before Guardians 3 
Like, are they kind of going to do a circle around? Or, I don't know what that's going to look like exactly, but I think that's pretty easily or quickly correctable. Or maybe they'll just have them, you know, take place simultaneously, technically, in the timeline, even if the movie comes out a year later. But yeah, I think what you had said um, about Jane strikes home for me too. Like, they've said that she's going to be the female Thor, right? I hope that that's in her, like, coming alongside of Chris Hemsworth Thor type of scenario, rather than her replacing him. I mean, if there's a way to get Mjolnir back and she can get the powers from Mjolnir, then, you know, he gets to keep Stormbreaker. You know, there's a scenario where that exists. Although even that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because in Ragnarok, we learned that powers were never given to Thor by the hammer. They just helped him focus them, but the power was all from him. So, like, even the hammer going to her wouldn't give her any powers based on the MCU's own logic. So I don't know how that's going to end up happening. And I hope that we see Thor return to form. Um, I definitely was one of the people that the first time I watched Endgame thought it was hilarious what they did with him. And the more and more I've watched it, the more I've disliked it. Um, I think Thor's at his best when he's kicking ass and cracking jokes. And, you know, he was doing one of those things in that movie. And it totally makes sense for him to reach a breaking point after all of uh, the death in his family and everything. You know, everyone he's ever loved being wiped out. But, I don't know, I think he's just at his best when he's the strongest one out there. And I hope to see him return to that. So I think Jane, you know, I have no problem with her getting powers or anything. One thing that I am not terribly excited about is just the idea of her becoming, quote, a female Thor. Like, his name is Thor. Like, Thor's not a title. (laughs) Like, she would just be powered Jane Foster. Like, I don't necessarily love the idea of all these like, new characters just taking over the old characters. Like, I think for Sam Wilson, it makes total sense for him to become Captain America, right? For him to take on the mantle. I don't necessarily think that every one of the main Avengers has to be replaced. I think maybe there might be a new Black Widow after the Black Widow movie. I think that there might be a new Thor after the Thor movie, if she ends up taking that. Ironheart is a new show that's coming out, right? There's a She-Hulk which I know isn't technically the same thing. Like, one of the great things about the Marvel Universe is there are so many characters to pull from. Like, I don't know, at a certain point, it kind of cheapens... It kind of cheapens it a little bit for me if they just go and take on the mantle of... Like, if every single one takes on the mantle of someone that already existed. It's like, there's plenty of space for new heroes. There's plenty of space for new powers and abilities. And I know they're in the comics, but most of the comics like that are pretty recent. Let it be lightning-powered Jane Foster. That's awesome, right? Like, that can totally exist on her own. Especially because Thor is not even a title. Like, Thor is his name. (laughs) That doesn't... I don't know. So, that's um, far from a deal-breaker for me. Like, I'm excited for Thor Love and Thunder. I think Taika Waititi's a great director, and I think he totally saved Thor as a character with Ragnarok after his first two movies being not very good. I have full trust in him as a director, And I know Chris Hemsworth has said he wants to play Thor as long as he can. He's willing to play for another 10 years. So I'm hoping he's around and I'm excited for it. Um, Although I think my hesitations with what they'll do with Jane and then also how they'll just tie the Guardians into that after kind of the behind the scenes ups and downs that have happened. So I I think I'm less excited for this one than I am for a couple of the other ones. I'd probably give it like a six and a half. 
maybe that's a little bit lower than I'm actually feeling, but I think I'm hesitantly excited for this one. Interesting. That's much lower than I would have expected you to say. Even still, I'm very excited uh, for everything that's coming uh, in Thor Love and Thunder, assuming that they don't just completely replace Chris Hemsworth. I agree with you that there's plenty of space for new heroes alongside the remaining originals and and people that have been phased in over the phases, I guess, uh, like Falcon. But yeah, just because, you know, Infinity War and Endgame are over does not mean that every character who was in the first three phases needs to get replaced by an upgraded version or just different version of them uh, in the future. Like Marvel has proven that they can introduce new characters that they can make people love that nobody really knows about and they don't have to rely just on the big names only. So I hope that they can introduce some new characters down the line here instead of just replacing the old ones. Now, saying that, the next movie that comes out following Thor Love and Thunder is Black Panther 2 coming out July 8th, which that's only another two months after Thor Love and Thunder. So four very quick movies here. From December to July, we have four movie releases uh, over those seven months. And Black Panther 2 obviously has the unfortunate task of figuring out what to do with T'Challa. Chadwick Boseman obviously unfortunately passed away after a years-long battle with cancer. And Marvel has said that they're not going to just simply recast T'Challa as Black Panther. So the title of Black Panther 2 being Black Panther Wakanda Forever seems to me like what they're leaning towards is a movie where not one single person comes in to take up the role of Black Panther, but, you know, a bunch of people maybe share that responsibility and title. You know, I could see M'Baku, Shuri, Okoye, Nakia, even Ramonda, his mom. I could see everybody getting in on being partly Black Panther, and maybe they have a sort of, like, we are Black Panther movie. I would also just love to see, if they don't go that way, uh, I would like to see M'Baku just take up the, the reins and take up the mantle as Black Panther. I think he'd be the logical choice. Shuri, I think a lot of people want, which I could see that happening as well. But she's shown that she doesn't have a ton of combat experience, as well as she's far more valuable as like the second smartest person in the planet right now. Maybe even the first you know, depending on where you want to put Hank Pym, you know, he did, you know, solve time travel, but, you know, Shuri has just invented infinite things with vibranium and was the only one who knew how to rewrite Vision to save him in Infinity War, even though she didn't end up having time to do it. But I think she'd be so much more valuable as basically the Q character compared to James Bond ends up suiting up all the Black Panthers. It gives them crazy tech. I think that's her role. And I would love to see M'Baku take up the Black Panther title, role, powers, all the above on his lonesome. But I think based on the subtitle of this movie, it's going to be more of a another ensemble feature here. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that as a possibility. The idea of multiple people simultaneously taking up the mantle of Black Panther. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> For some reason, I envisioned that as being like the end of Shazam. Uh, spoiler for Shazam when they just all turn into Shazam <laughs> um, like I'm imagining one scenario where everyone has a slightly different Black Panther costume and there's five or six of them fighting out there at once but yeah I agree with you if that's not the scenario I think it has to be M'Baku like you said 
Shuri is much more valuable behind the lines, doing tech things, doing cool long distance repairs or sending out new weapons or, you know, strategy, whatever. She's far more valuable as that, especially because she, you know, has been able to handle herself on the battlefield. Like, clearly she hasn't gotten killed yet, even against the few battles she's been in. But she really just has this little hand cannon that goes pew-pew. Like, she hasn't even thrown a punch, I don't think, in any of the movies that I remember, at least. And obviously the the Black Panther gets to drink that potion that makes him super strong and, and all that. So it's not like it would be just her as is going into combat. But it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense for anyone other than M'Baku to be the Black Panther. Just because um, Wakanda's been shown to be, like... A kingdom right and the Black Panther is not just the person in the costume the Black Panther is the king of Wakanda which is part of why the trials for who the next king is going to be were such a big deal in Black Panther the king is the Black Panther the Black Panther is the king and so obviously they've shown a bit of flexibility on that because they gave T'Challa the the potion even though Killmonger had beat him although technically they said as you can see I'm not dead but you know, that means if it's going to be a king, it has to be a dude, and it has to be the best dude in combat, because I don't think T'Challa has any successors, so M'Baku almost beat T'Challa in the, in the battle one-on-one, and so he clearly is the next best for it, and so based on the internal rules they've already set for Wakanda, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for anybody other than him to be the next Black Panther, if it's just one person. Although we have seen Wakanda change culturally, obviously they're opening up to the world and and all that, so it's not as if they can't change in order for maybe someone else to take it up, Okoye or whoever, but I think they'd have to explain that pretty well within the movie in order for me to buy it. So I think M'Baku would be great. I think he's had a great arc even in the limited limited screen screen time he's gotten so far. But yeah, I'm excited, especially because we don't really know anything about the villain or really anything about this movie at all, except that they have to somehow replace Chadwick Boseman. I'm excited for it, um, especially to see what they do with that. And I think I'll be more excited as more information comes out. I think it's a bit too far away for me to get super, super excited about it, especially with Chadwick Boseman being gone. I think he was the best part of the initial Black Panther movie. But yeah, no, I'm excited for this. I give this probably like an eight, seven and a half, eight. Yeah, I give this about eight and a half, eight, eight and a half. Uh, I agree with you that there's a lot to look forward to here, but also, you know, just missing Chadwick Boseman. I mean, he was the heart and soul of the first movie and, you know, a stellar addition in Civil War and Infinity War. And, you know, he made a brief appearance in Endgame as well. But, yeah, going to be sorely missed. And I do not envy the writers who have to work around this at all because it's going to be very tough losing a a character and a person that was so well loved and was such a talent and made such a mark on the universe that he was a part of so gonna be tough but i'm still excited for uh for black panther 2 wakanda forever in july of 22 the next one up we got we got three more left that have been announced and one that's hinted at without a release date It, it was announced but not a release date um but the next one up is the marvels which is captain marvel 2 which is going to tie directly into Ms. Marvel, uh, the TV show that's coming out later this year. So this one's going to have Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, uh, Captain Marvel, who is you know Carol Danvers that we've seen up till now, 
and Monica Rambeau, who was just introduced in WandaVision. Um, so, yeah, this one's coming out November 11th, 22, so this is looking a bit farther ahead. There's a, a bit of a bigger gap between Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and this one than there is for the ones um, previously. But, yeah, this one I think we won't really have a solid idea of until we see Ms. Marvel. For a lot of these other shows, we've already seen everything that we will be able to relating to those characters up until, you know, this movie. The Marvels is really the first one that we won't have seen everything leading up to it. We won't have seen Ms. Marvel until, you know, the end of this year. I'm excited for Ms. Marvel. She's apparently a really, really fun character in the comics. Uh, she's a teenager who has the ability to kind of grow and shrink herself, kind of a mix between Ant-Man and Mr. Fantastic. It's not the most original superpower, um, but the fact that she's another teenager, just like Peter Parker, and apparently is just a really funny and fun character. Um, I'm excited to see her, even though that's kind of all I know about her at this point. I think I'm much more excited for her than I am for Monica Rambeau or for uh, Carol Danvers. I wasn't the biggest fan of the first Captain Marvel. I didn't think it was terrible by any stretch, but I also didn't love it. I didn't think Carol Danvers was particularly likable or <laughs> it was not the easiest thing to root for her. And I think there's room for her to grow on me, at least. Um, and I think the same thing for Monica Rambeau, which I give her a bit more grace because she was just only there for such a limited time in WandaVision. So I think there's still, with her, just the fact that she's so new and hasn't had a whole lot of space to develop. So I'm optimistic for this one, and I think I'm most excited about Ms. Marvel out of the three of those for sure. But I think this is another one that I'm going to have to wait and see how Ms. Marvel goes before I give full judgment on this. But I'm not the most excited for this one. I think this is one that I'm probably least excited about out of all of the ones on this list so far. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. This one probably is my lowest. I'd say maybe like a six. I mean, I'm still excited for this. I'm, I believe that Ms. Marvel is going to be a good series. I want to see that character done well. Kamala Khan is a really interesting uh, character with some really unique powers and I think seeing her on the big screen would be really awesome. I don't disagree with you in that the first Captain Marvel was not my favorite of the MCU movies and so I'm not unexcited for this movie but it's definitely lower on my list. Obviously Ms. Marvel series could change that but Monica Rambeau didn't interest me a ton when she got introduced in well I guess reintroduced in WandaVision. But they are bringing in a new director and a new set of writers. So, you know, I definitely see some potential in this movie. They're going to have three characters who have some real wild powers between the three of them. And I'm interested to see what they can do. But yeah, the Marvel's probably about a, a 6 out of 10 on my excitement scale. Definitely we'll still be seeing it as soon as it comes out, for sure. It is still an MCU movie after all. But regardless, this leads into... The one that I'm most excited about following the last few, and that is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, coming out February 17th, 23. So we're already looking two years ahead at this point. The thing that has me so stoked about this one is four letters, Kang. Kang the Conqueror. If you don't know who Kang the Conqueror is in the comics, go and look it up. This guy is supposed to be... In this movie, I'm assuming he'll be the main villain, and Kang is one of the coolest villains of all of Marvel Comics, in my opinion. 
this dude is like a time traveling maniac he is just constantly popping up he's in ancient egypt he's in the future he's in alternate dimensions they defeat him and he just is back with more knowledge about how to defeat them because he's already experienced it like oh man it's so cool and this guy just effortlessly uses time just as a weapon without even having the time stone and i don't quite know how they're going to tie that in or how they're going to have that work obviously ant-man and the wasp are going to have access to time travel as well after endgame it seems like that's going to be a pretty common occurrence in the mcu and my only concern about this movie is that kang will be a one-and-done villain he's the type of big bad that deserves to be on a thanos galactus hopefully what they do with dr doom ultimate endgame type of villain that just keeps coming back and back and even if they beat him and kill him in this movie his character is such that he will be back and so again my only minor concern with this is that they potentially kill him off for good and he's a one and done villain because i think that would be a huge waste of a character assuming they don't do that this movie has me through the roof excited i cannot wait to see Kang the Conqueror in the MCU. I cannot wait to see all the crazy time travel stuff they can do. I think there's so much more they can do than they did in Endgame, because the Endgame was mostly time traveling through the MCU and a nostalgia trip, basically, while also serving the purpose of a story. Since that's out of the way, they just have total freedom and liberty to do whatever they want throughout time. They can go back into any MCU movie if they want. They can go back to you know, before humans existed, they can go forward in time, they can do a whole back to the future thing. Oh man, and the fight scenes in this, like, I can't imagine what those are going to look like. I don't necessarily think they're going to be like traveling through time in the middle of action scenes, but there's the potential for just such craziness. Plus, um, I just think Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd, excellent actors, a lot of charisma, especially Paul Rudd. Every time he's on screen just makes you smile and I'm excited to see him back as well as as Ant-Man, so I can't say enough things about this movie. Maybe this is the one I'm the most excited for, I don't know, but I think this one gets like a nine and a half, so maybe slightly less than Spider-Man, but just Kang, man. Oh, I hope he's like the next big bad. Yeah, I agree with you 100,000%. This movie has me very excited. I'd say nine and a half as well. This movie, for the same reasons that you mentioned, uh, I believe has a lot of potential to be kind of the Ragnarok of the Ant-Man trilogy. You know, Ant-Man 1, a fine movie. I enjoy it very much, but it's nothing too insane in the scope of the MCU. Second one is probably one of the weaker ones. It's really just a stopgap of where the heck was Ant-Man during Infinity War and Endgame. So not one of my favorites, but I do think that Quantumania can kind of turn the, you know, the trilogy around and introduce a really interesting character in Kang who I don't know if he's going to be you know the next Thanos where they have you know a villain who spans multiple phases at once but I'd like to see for sure villains that last you know three four movies at the least and you know maybe they don't require everybody in the universe teaming up to beat them but maybe they require you know Thor and the Guardians coming back together to take out Gore the God Butcher or you know Ant-Man and the Wasp plus uh, you know, Doctor Strange comes in to help out with Kang. Seeing the smaller team-ups would be awesome. And then for Avengers movies down the line, you have the big ensemble performances where you have a thousand characters in there at once. So I hope that they have villains that stick around for a little bit 
definitely one of the complaints for the first three phases is that, aside from a few notable exceptions, their villain catalog has been pretty weak. And so I hope that they make more compelling villains that, that are around in the future longer. But A-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, definitely a nine and a half for me on the excitement scale. Jonathan Majors, I hope you kill it as Kang, and I hope you're around for many movies to come because he's an awesome character. If this doesn't get you excited about Kang the Conqueror, Steve, you remember in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, right? The Miles Morales, excellent movie. We all loved it, right? You remember a specific uh, pig-shaped Spider-Man, Peter Porker, right? Spider-Ham. In Spider-Ham's universe, there's a version of Kang that is a kangaroo, (laughs) and his name is Kangaroo the Conqueror. (laughs) No lie. (laughs) This is in the comic books. Bro, if they open the multiverse and introduce Peter Porker (laughs) into the MCU... And we get a kangaroo the conqueror. Oh, I will just quit everything. <laughs> I'll be the happiest person to ever exist. I don't expect this. It's not going to happen in a million years. But dude, <laughs> if they bring Spider-Verse into the MCU through the multiverse and we get a kangaroo the conqueror, man, I'll die a happy man. But that's a total tangent. <laughs> There's version of the Kang everywhere. This dude is in every single crossover, every single universe. Ah, I'm excited. There's so much they can do with him. I just hope they use all the potential. But that was an aside. Just Kangaroo the Conqueror. I'm going to start petitions to get him in there. (laughs) Kangaroo the Conqueror. Kangaroo Jack coming to take over worlds. Oh my goodness. Uh, Would love to see that in action now that you've brought it up. I had no idea that was a thing. And now I will not rest (laughs) until I see it on the big screen. Um. And another movie we may get some super weird stuff in is Guardians 3, the last movie that was announced that has a release date at this point, uh, May 5th, 23. So less than two years uh, from now, all these movies will be out, uh, which is kind of insane. Currently, I'm going through a Marvel marathon uh, watch along here. And, you know, the early years only had one, maybe two movies come out. You know, only recently it's been up to three releases a year, but... For 2021, we're going to get Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man, which is four, not including all the TV shows. Uh, 2022 will give us Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, Black Panther 2, and the Marvels. That's four, which that's an insane year, by the way. Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, and Black Panther 2. Awesome. Uh, And then 23 has Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Guardians 3 uh, on May 5th. So... Ten movies will be out by this time in two years. Again, not including the myriad of TV shows that are uh, on the slate here. But Guardians 3, currently they're with Thor. And like we had mentioned, this you know we don't know exactly how the, the two movies are going to take place timeline-wise. They could be close to each other. They could be not close to each other. Uh, wow, such cutting in-depth analysis there. But... Yeah, we, we don't really know how the characters that are together at the end of Endgame are going to be interacting with each other moving forward. So I guess we'll see. But Guardians 3, James Gunn's back directing, I'm very excited for. Both the first two are excellent films. Second one is very underrated, in my opinion. Gets a lot of hate. It does have a few more jokes that fall flat than the first one, but 
Uh, I mean, it has the scene with Yondu and his arrow escaping the Ravager ship. One of the best scenes in the MCU, in my opinion. And I'm just excited to see more Guardians. They've been split up for a while, and we saw Quill lose his mind emotionally when he lost Gamora, and we saw Rocket by himself for a bit. So it's good to have the team back together. Yeah, Star-Lord needs some redemption after Infinity War. And they got to figure out what happened with Gamora. I mean, I know she's back, but this movie is probably going to be the hunt for Gamora because Star-Lord, Peter Quill, is not going to rest until he finds her. I'm not exactly sure where she uh, headed off to after Endgame, but somewhere, (laughs) somewhere not with them. And again, like you mentioned, the timeline with this will be a little bit wonky just given the behind the scenes issues that have already happened with this movie with James Gunn being fired and then rehired. So we don't know what the timeline will be for this versus Thor 4 coming off of Endgame. But again, I think that's pretty easily solvable with a scene or two or just have them in reverse order that could be a thing as well but yeah excited to see the the wacky family back and um nebula is still around as well and she'll be probably a f- another full-time part of the team and yeah it's exciting hopefully Groot will be back to full size by this point i kind of miss seeing him as full-size Groot he's been baby Groot or teenage Groot for so long that i miss him just sticking his arm through people and slamming him against the walls and <laughs> being full mature Groot but I guess we love Groot no matter what shape or form he's in so maybe he'll be a bush this time I don't know <laughs> um, but yeah I'm excited to see them all back and the Guardians are just so fun even if the movie isn't the best it's still fun to watch them and Thor being in there is gonna be great because he'll be in there at least for a bit I hope that he's just with them for good. I think he's still very much capable of carrying his own movie. But I also think he works super well in the wacky outer space hijinks type of thing that they're doing. And um, yeah, I'm excited for this movie. So I'm giving this one probably an eight and a half or so. Just because we don't really know anything about it other than it's the Guardians and they're probably looking for Gamora. So yeah, I think I'll be more and more excited for it as it comes out i just find it a bit hard to be that excited about something that's still two years away but i give it a solid eight yeah i I'd, I'd give it about that as well compared to my other ratings it seems low but i guess uh, i'm just excited for all these projects coming up and i have to disagree with you that you can't get too excited about a project that's multiple years away because the actual last thing that was announced here and it's the only one without a release date is the fantastic four movie and that is a 12 out of 10 oh, for me. true. A 15, a 100 out of 10 for me. Fantastic Four is awesome. And it's a shame that all their movies so far have been absolute butt cheeks. <laughs> um, there's just no nice way to put it. I mean, all three Fantastic Four movies that have come out have been cinematic garbage from start to finish. And I know that... The most recent one, you know, Fanforstic, as it says in the name, had a lot of production issues and a lot of studio clashes with the creative team. Director didn't really get to fulfill his vision. You know, similar to the the Justice League that came out a couple years ago, you know, and we just had the Snyder Cut released. People have been asking for the original uh, Josh Trank cut of uh, Fanforstic, but I don't think we're ever going to get it. And... It's just such a shame that Marvel's first family has not had its proper introduction into the MCU uh, at this point. And obviously they've you know been under different studios before now, but 
they deserve to have their time just as much as the Avengers and the the other heroes that we've spent time with. So I'm very excited to see Fantastic Four get done and get done correctly. And that movie, I'm just, I can't wait for that movie to come out. Oh, that's going to be so good. It's going to be a blast. I hope so. I hope it's good. And yeah, I mean, on top of adding some interesting heroes, I, I think that could introduce Doctor Doom. Uh, I hope it does. And I hope Doctor Doom becomes the next bad uh, sort of like Kang or I think Doom could even be, you know, a, a multi-phase level threat if done correctly. So definitely don't want to see him be a one and done villain either. And so I, I think Fantastic Four has a lot of potential coming up in the future. And that's actually probably the one I'm most excited about. But it is two plus years off. It doesn't even have a release date. So with Guardians being middle of 23, we can expect probably at least one more by the end of that year. So Fantastic Four at some point in 23, but you know we don't really know anything other than speculation at this point. So that was the last thing that was announced by Marvel Studios uh, last week uh, as far as movies go, but we will be chatting about the TV shows in our next episode. There are plenty of those coming up as well, so if you thought that you were you know lacking Marvel content after a year off, um, they're coming back to inundate you with infinite material here. So big days ahead, but only half of it uh, we've talked about so far so i know it's crazy it's crazy but check back in next time here are thoughts on the upcoming shows we'll get that one out before loki and hopefully some of our predictions for that will come true uh and if not good we'll be surprised (laughs) we've just had a brief respite here and then are about to just get flooded absolutely flooded with mcu content so it's a beautiful time to be alive it's amazing It really is. But that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next time when we talk about more stuff we like to talk about on our own schedule without apologizing. Check back in. But that'll do it for this week. We'll catch you next time. Catch you later. Peace.